Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. I'm the girlfriend, Cindy. I'm the presumptive murderer. That's right, Josh, Josh who presents me every uh, week of every month with a horror movie that I try to survive. Uh, every month has a theme, and we're getting ready to start February, so I can only imagine that this week's theme, or this month's theme, is going to be Valentine's Day, or hearts, or something of that nature. Well, it's going to be Canadian-themed. <laughs> we're doing okay. We're doing a month of Canadian horror movies, and oh. listeners, none of them will be by a Cronenberg Either David or Brandon. Um, is that like an inside joke that I don't get? No, David Cronenberg. No, I know, him? but yeah. does he do? He's the he. Oh, he's yeah. the predominant Canadian. He's like the Canadian. Got it. Director. I forgot that little bit of trivia about him. I forgot he was. <laughs> he is all that is Canadian horror. Yeah. Well, actually, he's not, and we're going to learn that this month. And astute listeners know that it's the month of Valentine's Day. So there's probably something very particular and special coming next week that was made in Canada. Okay. So whoop, looking forward to next week. Okay. But this I week. I don't understand. Okay. Yeah. Good. What uh, else? This week we're going to watch a super fucked up, super uh, forgotten, like Canadian weirdo classic gem. Okay. Called Pin. P-I-N? P-I-N. All right. It was released direct-to-video <laughs> January 27th, 1989 in the U.S. It is rated R, and it is a lengthy one hour and 43 minutes long. Okay. <laughs> one hour and 43 minutes. Well, but that goes beyond the 90-minute mark. And that's, it does. You know. This movie is fucking weird. Okay. <laughs> Now, you had mentioned something in passing. How are we watching? I know we get to this usually at the end, but how are we going to be watching this movie? Yeah, so uh, let's cover this up front before we really get into the nuts and bolts about the movie. This movie got a VHS release in 1987. Or, I'm sorry, <laughs> 1989. And we do have a VCR a... here. We do have a working VCR. finding the tape. Uh, it also got a DVD release on April 24th of 2001. And it has not been reissued since on any other format. And you don't have it? This movie is out of print, nearly impossible to find, except it is streaming in its entirety mm-hmm. on YouTube. Nice. For free. Oh, all right. So literally there's no excuse, because in the past we're like, it's on Amazon Prime. Some people might not have Prime. You know, it's on This Shutter. is 100% well, free for everybody. It's just on YouTube. You can literally type in... Okay. P-I-N, pin movie, and it will pop up. I think it's like the very first thing. And then you watch it. And it's like fun, guys. It's like a VHS transfer. (laughs) This is going to be so much fun. So this is, all right. So this is a movie that obviously was not very successful. So let's get into what we're about to watch. What was going on that year? We usually go over 89, I feel like. Don't we? Is that Desert Um, Storm? We've covered 89 a few times. The Uh, Berlin Wall. Berlin Wall was 89. What I wrote in my notes here is the Japanese Emperor Showa died, and his son Akihito became the 125th Emperor of Japan, which began the Hesei Age or Reign. I know this by heart because 
all of the original Godzilla films are considered the Showa films. Because and I, then all of the 90s Godzilla films are considered the Hesse films. Because it's in honor of the new emperor. Because of the age of the emperor. That is how I know that those terms. Thank you, Godzilla. You speak Thank a whole you, new language. <laughs> Good God. Okay. Uh, George H.W. Bush was sworn in. Mm-hmm. The Soviet Union pulled out of uh, Afghanistan. Iran placed a $3 million bounty on uh, Salman Rushdie's head. The Exxon Oh, Bel- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot he was wanted. That was a thing. Uh, the Exxon Valdez spilled 240,000 barrels of oil. Still working on that. Beached. Uh, the Tiananmen Square protest happened. Ooh. The Simpsons and Seinfeld premiered. Yay. Same-sex marriage was legalized in Denmark. The first uh, commercial dial-up internet services became available in the United States. The, As you said, the Berlin Wall fell. Mm-hmm. Uh, communism took a hell of a knock when East Germany, Czechoslovakia, and Lithuania took steps to break away from the Soviet Union with the Velvet Revolution. Uh, People that were born that year, Elizabeth Olsen, Daniel Radcliffe, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yay! Which makes me feel like an utter fucking failure. That's... (laughs) She just has a different life than you, darling. You're fine. She's so much better at life than I am. Uh, People that died that year, Salvador Dali, Lucille Ball, and Gilda Radner. Mm. Sorry to bring it's that one right. up, but uh, I felt like I, I must. I don't. That one always hits. That one always hits a little different. So, pin. Pin. Is this like a bowling movie? No, there is a Canadian horror bowling movie called Gutter Balls that I flirted for like a second. <laughs> what a random thing. Okay. Yeah. Gutter balls. So we're not talking about bowling pins. Are we talking about like candlestick bowling pins? <laughs> Because no. it's Canada. Okay. Um, let me let me get into a little bit about who made it in the cast, and All right. then we'll let you guess uh, what as this to movie what this is going to. Okay. About. So it is actually written and directed by a man called Sandor Stearns, which is a really is um, he a famous Canadian? I don't. He's not really a famous Canadian. Uh, he was. I read a little. I jotted a few notes down about him. So he was born July thirteenth, nineteen thirty six. What year was your mom born? She was born in 46, so he's 10 years older. Okay. In Timmins, Ontario. And he went to medical school and was a practicing physician until his writing career took off enough for him to be able to quit that and move to Hollywood. That's like Ken, uh, Ken, uh, Ken, I forget his last name, Ken, not Ken, Ken Jennings. Jung. Ken Jong, yeah. He was a doctor and mm-hmm. like a... It's got, he keeps his license up. He wrote and like I said, he wrote and directed this, but... Genre fans would probably know him best for writing the 1979 Amityville horror movie. And he also did, like, a ton of television. Like he okay. Wrote and directed a ton of the television. The 80s? Well, that was the golden age, the golden era. Every Daniel Steele movie, every mm-hmm. Daniel Steele book became a movie. Every, you know what I mean? <laughs> but then don't even get me started to talk about North and South. North and, oh, God. Yeah. Both the British version and the American you know, are really good. And, and they're very... Oh, yeah. Totally different. Hmm? You know who's in North and South, don't you? Patrick Swayze. Yeah. The of course Swayze. I know that. <laughs> this movie's based on a book by Andrew Niederman, who also wrote uh, the book The Devil's Advocate, that the Al Pacino movie was Yes. That's a very... That's Al Pacino at his most Al Pacino-iness. Um, and I just read out three people from the cast I want to talk to you about real fast. Okay. So this movie stars David Hewlett, who plays Leon. He was in The Shape of Water. Okay. He was also... In Stargate Atlantis, 
and the movie Cube, which is another Canadian horror film that I've not decided may make an appearance this month. Maybe. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. And <laughs> that brings us to Cynthia Preston. Hey, great name. Yeah. Spelled uh, similar to yours. Ursula is her character name. She nice. is in the Jack Ryan Amazon show. She was in the Carrie remake. But to me, she I was always very, be Ursula. I was very pleasantly surprised to find out that she was the voice of Princess Zelda on the Legend of Zelda cartoon, the cool. Super Mario Brothers 3 cartoon, and the Captain and the Game Master cartoon. Well, that's baller. All from the 80s. Good so, job, Cynthia. She's the voice of Princess Zelda in my childhood. We're very proud of you. And lastly, but let's be honest, most important. Most important. Let's talk about it. Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> okay. Dr. Linden. You know him and you love him from the Stepfather but 1 and 2. two lost and i don't want to whistle in your ear y'all but to this very day whenever i catch myself whistling i start whistling camptown races and i just guffaw with laughter every single time and josh hears me do it because i'm a whistler and i'm trying to break the habit side note it's not happening i like to make myself laugh yeah i'm just gonna go on record i feel comfortable speaking for both of us when i say this is a very pro Terry Oakland podcast. <laughs> we are, even if he looks like um, Jason Manzoukas. I just wish he were in more horror movies. There's a few more we've he's in that we've not gotten to. But was he a predominantly like a dramatic actor or no? Uh, I think all the way to Lost, he was predominantly a whatever I can be. An Got actor. it. I know him mostly from The Stepfather and Young Guns. That's what I think of when I think of him. I think there was in Young Guns. Wow. Yeah, what up, was, uh, goes up in my esteem. He was the the good guy that took them all in after their boss died. And he was the guy that had the house at the end that they had to yep. shoot up. That was Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Just pops up and fucking everything. Yeah. As you do. <laughs> um, so this movie was made in Canada. Hence why it gets to be in the month of Canadian films. It was shot in Quebec. Quebec, yay! Uh, and the reason, I just want to throw a special shout out, the reason that we got to experience this in the first place was it was made in Canada by these filmmakers, but it was purchased by Roger Corman in New Ooh. World Pictures and then distributed on VHS here. And now it's distributed on YouTube here. So, thank you, Papa Roger Corman, <laughs> who is, I think, like 97 years old or some shit wow. like that. Wow. I love you. We all love you. Same as Yarkov, who is a staple of our show, worked yep. for Roger Corman for years. Oh, okay. That was, That's true. Yeah. I guess we have to acknowledge Roger him. Roger Corman's like the king of exploitation. Got it. Like I said, A, this movie's weird. And B, the poster for this movie is fucking terrible. This is the part of the podcast where Josh shows me a poster of this film. <laughs> I try it's to get like meaning of it. It is. It's a staircase with a wheelchair at the top of it. Wonder what that means. Is Pin alive? Leon knows, but nobody believes him. A journey beyond the edge of fear and madness. Pin. Okay. Random. So I guess this is about a someone in a wheelchair who fell downstairs and died. And her ghost haunts the upstairs. And Leon is trying to get someone to believe him. But nobody believes him. I thought you were going to say... Her ghost haunts the downstairs and can't get upstairs to haunt the people upstairs because of the stairs. Right when you think you know me, I spin it on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. I'm going to go on record as saying I think 
you might like this movie, but you're going to think it's... Su- you're At some point, mm-hmm. you're going to do the thing where you turn and look at me and you're going to make that face like, what the fuck is happening right now? Oh, fuck. Like, okay. Not in a, this is insanely scary way, but like, wow, this, this took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was unprepared for this. All right. Do you have like a keyword for when you think the turn's going to happen so you can predict it? Nope. It's just, okay. it'll happen, I think, <laughs> okay. towards the beginning. He is amusing himself, guys. Towards the beginning, for sure. If the, I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. I saw people when I was, like, young, and mm-hmm. I remember being like, this movie is super fucked up. I probably should not be watching it. But um, you kept watching it anyway. But I kept watching it anyway. As I've did. not seen it since I was, a, I was a child. So I'm actually super kind of excited to watch it. Okay, well then, um, you can see it on YouTube, and uh, we'll be back in about an hour 43. (laughs) Button the doors. Pin is the one and only friend Leon's ever had. The only one who doesn't care that Leon's different. What? It must be crazy to be here tonight. I defended you. I don't. You never had secrets from each other. Only Pin knows Leon's darkest secret. Leon? Hello, Marshall. Oh my god. When someone hurts Leon, Pin hurts them. When someone tries to come between them, Pin won't let them. I don't think Aunt Dorothy will be staying with us for very long. What do you mean? Might take her a little while to feel the vibrations, but I think she will. to Leon, you'll have to take care of Pin before Pin takes care of you. Is Pin a friend? Oh, please. Or an enemy? Only Leon knows. What have you done? What have you done? What am I gonna do? Pin. Some friendships die hard. Welcome back from helping yourself to pin, which was free on YouTube. YouTube. I, I felt a little bad, you know, watching it for free because it is a pretty decent movie. I would pay to own this movie if it weren't like a $60 DVD. That's probably going to have a shitty transfer. Is it available like overseas anywhere? No, I, not that I could find. That's why. You know me, like I missed out on the Dolls Blu-ray, mm-hmm. the American release. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I tracked down a British Blu-ray that I had mailed to me. I, I mean, I, I'll go the lengths and to have shit have mailed it. from like... You know, Asia or Europe, but it was a very good copy. It looked like I think we determined uh, someone had digitized like a sixteen like a real print. yeah yeah. Uh, so this movie is fucking crazy. It's crazy. So this movie is about we have another ventriloquist situation happening. 
So a man, uh, a doctor man. <laughs> doctor man. Okay. Terry O'Quinn, doctor okay, man. Okay, doctor man. <laughs> that sounds like a UPN special. A doctor uses a full... Du- uh, it's like of, an anim... Do you remember that they used to have like the see-through men? Dummy. Like the see-through man? But it, it was life-size and named Pinocchio, and they called him Pin. And this doctor's gag was that, you know, he used ventriloquism so that Pin talked to the children, you know, and whatever. Unfortunately, he raised his kids thinking that Pin was real. Like, even buying presents and stuff from Pin and, and talking to Pin about, like, important stuff. And... The best presents come from Pin. FYI. Remember? Oh, yeah. That's even the thing Leon says. He's like, you know, at Christmas, all the best presents come from Pin. That's fucking terrifying. It's weird. And so, the, anyway, he grows up to be an adult who develops a Pin personality. And, it, man, it was wild. Yeah, so... That was kind of a rambly summary. <laughs> the parents died. But there's no way to, like... What, does IMDb have a, a summary of it at all? Because there's no way to just kind of encapsulate... Because it, it literally is... It follows uh, the main character's entire life. IMDb has, isolated by his strange parents, Leon finds solace in an imaginary friend, which happens to be an, an anatomy doll from his father's doctor's office. Unfortunately, the doll begins to take over Leon's life and his sister's life as well. I need that's, to talk about the sister. Yeah, that's not a really great breakdown of this movie. Like, what you would need to know if you didn't watch this movie to follow What's along. The, no, 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 no. So who wrote this movie, Josh? Um, Niedermeyer. Thank mm-hmm. you. Anybody who's at my age and a fan of V.C. Andrews, Flowers in the Attic and all that, we all know the problems with Niedermeyer, the ghostwriter, and his ridiculous formula of writing. Well, this movie was written by him. So we have a girl who goes from being an innocent child to a whore to getting an abortion to being the heroine of the movie. Duh. Uh, there's almost incest. There's uh, it. It's it's a V.C. Andrews novel, honestly. Like there, there's a description there, like amongst people who know. You go, oh, it's like a V.C. Andrews. Like, oh, okay, gotcha. It's almost like saying, oh, it's like a Hallmark movie. There's like a formula to it. Poor V.C. Andrews died in I think like '83. He's been and, living off her for right? a long time. Yes, they are still publishing new content under that name. And is it still him? Do you know? Mm. Or the bulk is him? I think he's still alive, right? I don't know if it's still him, but it was for, gosh, at least 25, if not 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Anywho. Sorry. This, uh, we, we all of a sudden became a Flowers in the Attic podcast, which, by the way, I would love. And now I need to write a note to remind myself to look up one. Okay. Or make one. My takeaway from this is... This, it's actually a very smart movie. So throughout the course of the movie, you know, at, at the beginning, they are young children. The boy is of an age where he would believe that Pin is real. And so he's always trying to talk to Pin when his dad's not there to find out if he's real or not. And one, t- and one day he um, is there and a nurse comes in to clean. And so he hides and he witnesses... The nurse used the dummy to, like, she fucks the dummy. By the way, can we talk about that scene for a minute? Please. Let's, I've been waiting to talk about that scene because that scene is, I don't, (laughs) it's so weird. Like, on one hand, it's, it's disturbing. Right. And on the other hand, like, it doesn't go nearly as far as I thought it would. So, here's what happened. So, 
in my head, if I were just making a, a movie and somebody said, you need to have a woman fuck a dummy. Okay. She lays the dummy down and she, you know, rides him. You know what I mean? Not, not this. <laughs> not this. She lays down and puts the doll on top of her and then just rubs the doll back and forth against her torso until she orgasms. That is so much work for an orgasm. Like, that's a lot of work. She probably has, like, incredibly ripped forearms. (laughs) She's like a drummer. Anywho, so this boy witnesses that, and he's traumatized. But that would also... Um, it's when he becomes, when he's an adolescent, his dad uses the dummy to teach about sex to the kids. So now this boy, obviously, you know, he believes it's real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, oh, Pin was having an affair with this nurse. Oh, you know, and I, yeah, it's so sad. I think it's important to note that the only time, especially the Leon character, the David Hugo character, <laughs> That's the other thing. gets any sort of <laughs> so positive parenting or love or praise is through that dummy. Right. So, yeah, the, fa- the dad, Terry O'Quinn, uh, can't, he has a really hard time showing affection and love to his son, so he does it through the doll. Yeah. Like, so, do, you can see how, like, an attachment has been made to this thing. And okay, here's another Niedermeyer thing. The damn people's names. So his name is Leon, and then what's his sister's name? Ursula. Ursula. I should have known. That should have been a tip. That should have been a tip off. So V.C. Andrews kind of started it. Her first books were the Dollengangers. So that's kind of, you know, wow, that's a really strange name. And then uh, Heaven. They always have like weird names. Ursula and Leon, and they are white. <laughs> they are not of color, like the name might suggest. Oh, they are these these kids are super fucking super white. white. The children of the corn white. Like they do a great Hitler job. Whoever was casting did an excellent job of getting the look right. Of yeah, because you see the kids at like a young age, adolescent, and then adult, and they do all they look very similar. Uh, I actually wrote in my notes, I made a little section on my notes called, what did this movie do right? And that is one thing I noted, like the transition of the kids Mm -hmm. into the, uh, quote, teen and adult characters that we follow Mm -hmm. is really seamless. Like, especially the Leon character, the little boy looks like they stopped shooting, waited like eight years or whatever, and then they were like... And here he is to yep. finish the movie. Like, he did. They, they looked, did a really fucking good job. Of I casting. agree. So then the twist at the end is Leon has a full breakdown and he becomes Pin. Mm-hmm. And he just acts like a dummy sitting in a wheelchair talking Crying. through his ventriloquist, you know, without moving his lips. <laughs> I don't know. It's like ventriloquism, whatever. Yes. Fucking this movie. fucking movie. And there was a big old gothic house. Yeah. That's another Niedermeyer V.C. Andrews thing. You didn't mention that they use Pin to terrify the aunt after the parents die to infer to have a heart attack. Well, oh, yeah. It's okay. a whole, like, I yeah. think I kind of began talking about that. I'm sorry to ramble. The movie is really smart in the way that, okay, so we have this sexual situation that this boy, the sexual trauma that this boy witnesses. So, they're, okay, there's a reason why sex is going to be weird for him. And then when the parents are killed, 
the doll is in the back and it kind of like the de- Terry O'Quinn's driving like Terry O'Quinn does. So it's overacted and all over the place. And they get into an accident. And it really does look like Pin is, like, attacking the father as it flies forward. So you do have this, like, oh, is Pin alive kind of a thing? Like, is it a demon-possessed movie? Like, it's just very smart. And then as the aunt, and then the aunt comes to stay with them. And then she's killed. He uses Pin to scare her to death because he knows that he knows that she has a heart condition. Like, it's very, it's smart. It's just done weird. I think the thing... It was a V.C. Andrews book. <laughs> I think the thing about Pin for me is, like, surprise, we did another dummy movie. That we, it carried over into, you know, our Canadian month. But of all the toys that had come alive or dummies that we watched in the entire month of January, I think Pin's the creepiest, and he's technically the least dangerous. <laughs> like, at no point yeah. is he, like... He's just an anatomically correct naked doll. Yeah, he's just a see-through doll. A medical dummy with a dick that Leon puts latex skin on, which makes him even more terrifying. I forgot about that part. And then starts dressing him in his dad, his dead dad's clothes, right? And putting him in a wheelchair and like moving around the house. Yeah, yeah. This movie super de duper follows the Arkov formula. There is action. Is this revolutionary? I, Not to me. This is a VC. I there it it's a VC Andrew story, but I I liked it. That you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean it can you can love something, but it be also it's be trash. follow a formula. Right. I mean it doesn't have to be trash. It just it follows a particular formula that's right. been laid out before. There and is the formula works for a reason. Right, that's a good point. Uh, so I wouldn't give it revolutionary. It killing yes, oratory. <laughs> I don't know. There were some awkward times that you're like, ooh. But no, I don't think so. They keep referring to getting horny as the need. That was weird. That's like some grandma and grandpa shit right right there. (laughs) And you have the need. This is, I don't know if this would be fantasy or not, because this could be, I mean, someone could go crazy like that, right? No? I mean, it's a stretch. Okay, so maybe fantasy and then fornication. So for no reason at all, no reason at all, uh, the sister Ursula becomes mega whore and gets pregnant at 15. She also calls it, FYI. She's like, I feel like I'm really going to like fucking, basically is what she says. <laughs> exactly. She doesn't say fucking, but she's like, yeah, I feel like I'm really going to be into this. And yeah, and so spoiler alert, she is. She is. But she, it, it's a phase and she outgrows it. Let's talk about what's going on within the movie for a second because there's a couple things I wanted to talk to you about that I noticed Mm -hmm. and then also read about. So we talked at the front half about how the director and writer Sandor Stern was a doctor before he became a filmmaker. All right. Oh my God, did he know somebody? Okay. No, 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 no. no, no. Okay. He was super drawn to the idea and I get this because I've experienced this in the same way he has with clients in the past. He was interested in the concept that two people, two siblings, can come from the same background with the same lived trauma Mm -hmm. and react to that wildly differently, right? Like, one be totally normal and the other one be a fucking mess. And that's kind of why he wanted to do the movie. Because they both have the same trauma of, like, their parents cannot show them any love, Yeah, right? Their dad talks to them about anything important or shows any 
through the doll. Love through the, the doll? Yeah. He buys Man- the Mannequin, presents? I guess, is a better word to say. I mean, it's like in... It's a medical It would tool. make sense, you know, for like a little kid, you know, the kind that would still leave in Santa and the tooth fairy. But at some, po- at some point, you know, it's just a dummy and look what your dad can do. Like, yeah. And the whole ventriloquism thing, to me, it felt like there were a couple things going on in this movie past that level. There was Leon is trying to build a family that he loves and loves him, mm-hmm. which is why he's weirdly super creepy sexual about his sister mm-hmm. and overprotective about That's everyone else a touching her. Thing. Like pulling the dude out and kicking him in the mm-hmm. dick. One thing I noticed and I wanted to bring up to, to you is the dad is actually so cold. Terry Quinn is so cold that when he finds out that his son is an adult and talking to Penn with ventriloquism and has like, oh, my son is fucking crazy. He's angry that he's been put out by the situation. Right. Rather than actually concerned for his child's well-being. He's actually like, you leave and don't let your mom who's outside in the car waiting to go with me to this medical conference see you because I don't need her to worry. Also, that's where they die, but go ahead. He also like tries to get Leon to stay in the room while he does the abortion on his daughter Ugh. and Leon's sister. Yeah, let's He's talk like, about are that. You curious? Yeah. It's like no. How are you? Mm, okay. It's against I think it's against the law. Like you're not you're not allowed to like operate on your own family. I don't know if that's a thing or I don't know. Maybe, but I'm not a Grey's Anatomy fan. I, mean, I, I feel like they would know. I feel like there are laws, but then there's also like ethical considerations. Exactly. You're, that would definitely fall within the ethical thing of like you're not allowed to do but again, it's a person who's putting their pride and community standing above their health, well-being, right. and safety of their fucking kids. Right. Which is definitely a middle to upper class white person thing. <laughs> yes, which is another yes, thing. Is. I mean, I don't want to be the one, you know, I keep feeling like I, I beat this drum a lot, but if this had been the other way around, and Leon had been the same one, and Ursula the fucking bananas one that's talking to a doll, they mm-hmm. the movie would have ended... The first scene after the parents died, where Leon was like, or where Ursula would have been like, "So this is Pin. Remember him? He talks to me." Leon would have been like, "Yeah, you're going to an asylum because yeah. you're fucking crazy." But because he's a white dude, he's the man of the house. Father, he's, they like placate him, and they're like, "Well, we're just trying to find the right time to tell him mm-hmm. that he's fucking out of his mind, Psy- a psychopath, um, sociopath." They don't even say they don't say sociopath. She's schizophrenic. She says. Paranoid schizophrenic, which which she diagnosed him from reading a book at her job at the library. Right, um, she's a good girl at heart. She works the library. Yeah, and he's the mad. Library. He's mad about her working at the library because that's time she's not with him. Mm-hmm. And his family, he's built with pin. Like this Kathy movie and Christopher. I want to like shit on this movie. I don't want it to sound like that because I did really enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. But there is the thing to me about. He gets such a wide berth because he's like a white dude from a rich family. Mm-hmm. They're just like, man, he's crazy. It's, it is what it is. We don't want to put him in an asylum because that would make us look bad. Yep. That's fucking insane. That's yes. just... Oh. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. And they just... Well, I guess I can't say they succeeded because this movie wasn't a success, but... I mean, we, we don't know. It might have been a success had some things gone slightly differently. 
but we'll talk about that. Yes. Well, we can talk about it now. Okay, I was going to so, stick talking about it when on the podcast. Um, now. I was just gonna, I was gonna segue, but we'll just do it now. Fuck it. So this movie, this was movie. partially financed by Roger Corman and New World Pictures. That's why Terry O'Quinn is in it. So Cor- it's a name. Corman was like, we need, we need an American that has kind of a name recognition, so we can sell this in American theaters and drive-ins. Hence Terry O'Quinn. He's the token American in the cast. Because he was successful in the step... He's yeah. the stepfather, right? Yeah. Like, everyone would oh, fuck, the stepfather's in this movie. Like, oh, even it's though... It's even a name I would... I, rem- yeah. I may not remember what he looks like, well, I will now, but... But they, the they did a test screening, and apparently mm-hmm. there was an issue where the test screening got off to such a late start that the audience was already in a pissy mood about it. Oh, yeah. And then hated this movie because of that. It got horrible. Uh, so it just, New World was like, yeah, this movie is a failure. Uh, audiences hate it. So it got a theatrical release in Canada, but it just went straight to VHS. In America. In America. And that was like the kiss of death. It just disappeared. Yeah. That, well, yeah, until somebody digitized it and put it on YouTube yeah. for well, all to it, see. It got a DVD. And, I mean, there were some people out there being like, this movie's good. Like, uh, I made a note because I, I wanted to point out that we are not the only people that thought this movie was good. Who else Jan- uh, Janet Maslin, who wrote for the New York Times, called this movie, when she originally reviewed it, a cool, bloodless, well-made thriller for the quietly bizarre. And Fair. Yeah, That's a good way to put uh, it. There were some other good reviews, but that was one that really stuck out to me. Quietly bizarre. <laughs> and Fangoria released a, an issue a few years ago where they had a 101 best horror movies you've never seen, and this was one of the yeah. 101. So it does get some love, but it's just not that well known. And it's really fucking hard to find. I, well, except on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> like to find a hard copy of. Let me throw some trivia while we're here. All right, let me put on that catcher's mitt. All right. You, you good to go? Yeah. Cats catch this. away. <laughs> so the movie that Leona Marsha go to see on their date is David Cronenberg's Scanners. Yes. Which we did. You called that. Yeah, we did an episode last year. About the same time last yeah. year. Yes. Uh, which is interesting because not only does it have a connection to our podcast, yay, we yes. love David Cronenberg, but David Hewlett, who plays Leon, would star in the sequel, Scanners to the New Order, which came out a few years later after this film in 1991. Cool. <laughs> so just a weird little thing. Um, These Canadians, man. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to throw out as trivia is... Is... So the character of Penn has a voice, right? When <laughs> yeah. he talks, when when someone talks through ventriloquism. And that was another thing that threw me, was how the dad and the son both had the same exact voice for Penn. Mm-hmm. Like it was the same exact it, it wasn't at first. At first it was a little bit higher, but then the more he used it, it got better and better, <laughs> yes. But anyway... <laughs> That the the person who voiced the character of Pin did he get credit for that by the way he did and he, most people know who he is he might actually be the biggest name in the cast now what is his name Jonathan Banks Jonathan Banks was Hold for applause in a million movies as like a henchman he was in Airplane he was in Forty Eight Hours he was in Beverly Hills Cop but he became super famous playing the character of Mike Ehrmantraut. In Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, people. Yeah. yeah. He's like the bald guy with the deep voice. His voice was not that deep back then. And he he voiced the character of Pin. It was a very high, scratchy voice. That's Which, true. 
is fucking crazy because now like, he's the after, big name. Yeah, he's this huge name after Break, Breaking Bad. Everyone knows, like when they see him, they're like, "That fucking guy." Yeah, he voiced Pin. That means he might do the cons, huh? Mm, no, I, maybe. I've never seen him at one, but I wouldn't say it's out of, out of the question. So I did do a section of my notes of what did this movie do right and what did this movie do. So what could said, it have done better? <laughs> a lot, but go ahead. For what did it do right? I I did write the thing about the kids matching the adults, and that was a really great casting. Uh, the nurse sex scene was weird. It was, but I thought oh, it could have gone farther. It was written by a man. Yeah, it was written by a man. Like I've seen women masturbate. This is how it's done. Rub a doll up my body like yeah. this. Uh, and Pin is super fucking creepy. It, like, well, it, it, yeah, it's a clear mannequin with all the body parts inside. And like, I didn't find Pin super creepy until they put the skin on it. It was That's so much worse. That's when it turned for me. I was like, no. Agreed. Agreed. No. Agreed. And then like, he's following his girlfriend through the house in the wheelchair where the house of is a whole is a I wouldn't call her his girlfriend, but okay. Uh, his his lady friend he went on a date with. Let me, yeah. Let me be more accurate. Thank you. Uh, what what I think it could have done better besides Cindy said everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been cooler if Penn's voice were only in Leon's head rather than the ventriloquism. I think it this movie really downplays the how ventriloquism. Hard yeah. ventriloquism actually is. And it's not like a trait that you pass down from father. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's not like, like being left handed. Like blue eyes or whatever. Um, and also, if Anthony Hopkins has taught me anything this year, it's you have to work years to perfect <laughs> a ventriloquism. I think. And the fact that he just one day could do it because of mental illness. Yeah. Air quotes mental illness. Yeah. Uh, was a bit of a stretch yeah. in a movie that's full of stretches. And mm-hmm. I like this movie. I just think it would have been creepier 100%. if a doll would have just been speaking in his head and he would have been interpreting and speaking for it. I think that would have made the movie creepier and a little more realistic for me. I think if uh, we hadn't seen magic, because Anthony Hopkins does such a good job as the, you know what I mean, as the ventrilo, you know, moving the mouth just enough and like moving his his, uh, voice box, you know, so you can kind of see it. Um, And Terry Quinn just stood Mouth closed. <laughs> and just looked like, oh, okay. So, if we hadn't, if I hadn't seen magic, I probably wouldn't have been so critical. How many times in a day do you think someone in the world says, "Because Anthony Hopkins did it so well"? Because <laughs> <laughs> mm. the last piece of trivia I'm gonna leave you with, because it's gonna segue us beautifully into the end of the episode and to next week, is is Helen uh, Udy, who played Marsha Bateman. The character that goes on the date with Leon. And he then kills. Plays... Oh, no, he doesn't. No, no, he just Ursula, goes to Yeah, Ursula comes she, in. Yeah. Uh, she plays Sylvia in next week's film, My Bloody Valentine. Okay. So, I knew this was coming. All right, so next week's My Bloody Valentine. It's Valentine's Day. It's Canadian. It's My Bloody Valentine. All right, well then. I'm... Slasher time. <laughs> okay, then. Until next week. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. And I'm super fucking excited for my bloody Valentine.